the morning of the day I got sick, I've been thinking. It's good to be in something from the ground floor. I came too late for that. I know. But lately, I'm getting the feeling that I came in at the end. The best is over. Many Americans, I think, feel that way. America. Am I right, guys? Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos. My name's Jacob Burrows, and I've seen one episode of The Sopranos. Just kidding. I've seen 85 of them. I can't, but, you know, if you're listening to this first, you came in at the end. The best is already over. Please go back and re-listen to our coverage of episode one of The Sopranos, which we recorded literally two years ago, Jim. It's been two years. Mad. Yeah, so I was re-listening to a little of that, and we were, we're like, yeah, wow, uh, we're going to be doing this through the rest of 2018, and then we're done. Or like We're kind of talking like how we'd be done, and then mm-hmm. I think you have a comment of like, ah, but what about in 2020 when you're hearing it all in one go when the robots are there, and it's like, ah, how little did we know? Little yeah. did we know, and you did, you did swear at the beginning of the first episode to only watch one a week and not go into the next episode till we discussed it. We maybe had to kind of cheat that a little bit sometimes. Sometimes we did have to record two a week just so we could stay ahead and not have so many breaks if we can go inside a little bit. But, yes. Um, we fudged the numbers there, though I will say uh, we've never done more than two, and we I don't think we've ever... I'm not sure, but I don't think we ever did, like, two that were the end of a season. You know, no. we always try to... Like, let me be able to speculate in the penultimate episode, just as we're doing right now, recording this in anticipation of doing the next episode on the final episode of The Sopranos. Yes, yeah. Now, before we get into anything, I do want to... We did get another email here I'd like to check in with from Brian. Uh, You can email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Uh, hope you're, hope you are doing well. Uh, just wanted to take a moment and say how much I've been enjoying cut to black as I've been a subscriber, not too long after the initial few episodes, as much as it is a bummer that the show will be wrapping up the next few weeks. I'm still very curious to get you guys take on the last couple of episodes. I am one of those fans who have seen the show many times over the years and thankfully got into the show from my parents during the fourth season. So I did have the luxury of experiencing it in real time. Regarding your Walk Like a Man rundown from last week, well, it was a couple weeks ago now, but uh, the episode Walk Like a Man, I never thought of the Christopher JT scenario like that. Essentially, either either way, JT was screwed. Oh, it seems like such a long time ago when this Christopher... This when we're talking about him shooting JT, the screenwriter? Is yes. This what I'm yes, when, yeah, when they were arguing. I think because I made a comment that, like, Christopher probably would have killed him either way like even if mm-hmm. like say he let him speak but then he had to oh, yeah. spill his guts type deal and then later on he would have been like ah this guy's liability yeah. um quick question i've always believed this is genuinely jacob's first viewing uh like almost like we're trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes I, no there, there actually are people who haven't watched the sopranos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i know it's weird if you're listening to this podcast they might not seem to exist or they're really annoying and they're around you all the time like me uh but yeah he says quick question i've always believed this is genuinely jacob's first viewing however has there been a major event that he was spoiled on going in or from word of mouth knew what was eventually going to happen uh and i did i did kind of ask you this in our very first episode um and if I remember correctly, I mean, outside of the title, which the title of our show is Cut to Black, that is a notorious Sopranos thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what was your knowledge? Did, did you know anything? Um, no. I like looking at it now. I still haven't seen the last episode. Uh, for looking at all the like big events that spring to mind, like Chris dying, uh, like most ki- most of the big deaths, like none of those were actually uh, spoiled for me at all, which is great. Uh, as far as the ending, I still don't know how it's going to end, so that's good. I'm pretty sure Tony's going to die. Like, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, it would make a lot of sense to kill Tony at the end of this. And um, I, it also feels like because there was so much talking talk about how the show cuts to black, I and especially the commentary recently about do you even see it when it happens or whatever, I'm pretty sure the situation would be back when this was airing that Tony gets killed and it's super obvious for anyone who watches the show and pays attention that that's exactly what the show tells you happens. And then there's people online who go, oh, what? Is this character really dead? This this doesn't resolve anything. It doesn't tell us what we need to know when in fact the show probably definitely absolutely does that is my guess. Just understanding The Sopranos as I do and having the foreknowledge that it will end with a cut to black. But still, I'm still just speculating there. I don't actually actually no so the answer is no i don't think anything's been majorly spoiled for me which, which is great thanks I, everyone i agree it's great and i think it's been um fun uh kind of going along the ride with you i we have to we'll have to go back and i know a few times at the end of seasons or maybe some important episodes where you've made different predictions and mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how those started out just looking at Sopranos as as just a standard. I don't, I don't mean that like in a bad way to standard TV shows, but just as a standard TV show to learning how the Sopranos operates and more of their rhythm and then how your uh, predictions change. Because, you know, we've talked to many, many at length about the anticlimaxes of the Sopranos and the way David Chase kind of likes to go different routes with things uh in in relation to what you'd expect um but yeah uh let me see does he have anything else here uh keep up the good work guys and hopefully when you finish up the series we'll still have some more sopranos discussions coming here and there maybe a listener q a talk about your favorite episodes season characters moments etc take care that's brian from pa so yeah uh thank you so much for that email and yeah as he said if you want to send over any questions comments uh reactions since we are coming up at the end we can we can open it up more and discuss basically anything that we've watched (laughs) yeah all of it in general kind of look at it as a whole i'm not even going to be a dead white tying you down anymore jim you're going to be able to say whatever you think for once (laughs) yes yeah um and yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely try to have a few more things pop into the feed. Like I just personally am gonna rewatch The Sopranos, and we're obviously not. I, I mentioned it before, I'm sure, but like it would make sense for you and me to check back in and maybe talk about season one as a whole and season two as a whole and stuff like that. With you know both of us being able to talk fully about the show. So if you're interested in seeing that, please. Uh, I mean, we're still we're still trying to get reviews. So if you haven't reviewed us on uh, Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Yes, um, and we hey i'm happy to keep talking about the sopranos for as long as people want to listen because i i don't know it's i feel like i get better at not filmmaking because it's not practical like we're just analyzing it or whatever but yeah it makes you think it's not like a a lot of different a lot of other shows out there where where you you know you 
you just slowly get depressed by how a show <laughs> might be going or whatever. Like I genuinely feel that there's so much to dive into here. And that's why our podcast and other podcasts discussing the Sopranos still feel kind of relevant, even like years and years after the show ended. Yes. Yeah. And that actually kind of ties in again. I, this is probably something we'll touch on. Well, it's definitely something we'll touch on again after we discuss the finale. Um, because one of the other questions I asked when we were just discussing the pilot is looking at a show like The Sopranos, I think I was even, because since I had, you know, like I, I've mentioned on the show many times, I've watched like the first three seasons I'd seen a bunch of times, front to back, a few times over. And then four, not as much. And then like as you get later, I'd only seen those once. And it wasn't so much, I mean, obviously I knew Sopranos was a great show, but it's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to rewatch the show. I'm just going to drop in at season four uh, or drop yeah. in at season five or whatever. So this was like a great opportunity for me to go back and revisit it. But I think I still, even though I knew it was a great show, I st- you still have that hesitation because when you're introducing something to someone else. Because yeah. I remember talking to you about it and I was like, huh, I wonder how it'll play to a new viewer in this current time of post Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, other shows that have had anti-heroes, more like more of a landscape where TV or even like Game of Thrones where TV is like cinema now and it's I you know, we talk about peak TV. I wasn't sure if it would still have the same impact, but now that we're one episode away from the end, what's your thoughts looking at it from like a now time frame and not having that you know, late nineties, early two thousands, nothing else is like this on TV. Yeah. It's something that I guess I haven't thought about that much, but getting to the end of it, like, especially rewatching the first episode, as we just did, uh, you have to sort of imagine the time and imagine this coming out. And I can't imagine watching this when it was actually airing. I don't think I was ready, Jim. I don't think my body was ready. Yeah. Uh, physically, I've still gone through puberty. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure. It's, it's a great question, but it's also like even a lot of those sh- shows you mentioned are Breaking Bad, you know, whatever, Game of Thrones. You can argue television is more uh, cinematic because there's bigger budgets and like television is more respected as a medium but still people tend to even in like breaking bad which is possibly my favorite show of all time is one of my favorite shows of all time um we we have an anti-hero but we still sort of build up and pay things off in ways that are very traditional where in the sopranos I wouldn't say it's like the main thing, but all the fuck yous that David Chase gives us <laughs> as he's kind of negging us yeah. and like, what, you want to watch a show that's like this? Fuck you, you're watching a show that's like that. Um, and that just feels, you really feel the hand of the creator behind the show in a good way, putting something together. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how to, like, I mean, it definitely holds up, obviously. Like, I don't think there there's maybe, like, a couple of things where you're like, this would have been different if it was, if it was made today. But it's, it's really hard to imagine this coming out in the time that it did for me, having seen all of those other shows, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I guess the other, the other thing that kind of ties into that question, uh, does it live up to the hype of, 
you know, sometimes when these things come up and everyone's like, oh, this is one of the best shows, you got to watch it. But if it is 20 years later and you watch it and you're like, eh, hey, this was all right. Maybe at the time it would have been different. But I mean, I guess you said it holds up, but does it live up to what you would have being an outsider hearing like critics or awards the way people discuss the show? It's definitely elevated for me by the way we've watched it uh, in that if I watched, like if I binged through it in a week or a couple of weeks, I definitely still would have thought it was good. But, you know, you don't give it time to sit and sink in and you don't think about it as much. So at that point, I maybe would have just gone, yeah, great show. What? And I'll be excited about it for like a week and that'd yeah. be it. Yeah. But just by virtue of how we've watched the show, uh, for me, it definitely lives up to, to all the expectations, uh, which again is enhanced by getting to share this experience with you, Jim, and everyone listening at home. Uh, so that definitely helps. But the show is, of course, the core of that. So for, for me, it's definitely lived up to what I expected. And I think I was definitely assisted as well by the fact that I didn't actually know anything about it. I just knew, you know, mob show, everyone says it's great. Critics say it's great. Whatever. Like, that's pretty much what I knew. And it cuts to black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's basically what you say when in our first episode. It's like, yeah, I know it's like something to do with mobsters and crime. And then it cuts to black. And, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Um, but also, I will say, like getting into a little bit of this episode, watching the first episode... I can definitely be excused for expecting more of a quote standard TV show. Just yeah. the way they do voiceover in this first episode is so alien when he's in the therapist's office and like he's narrating his day. And I think maybe I talked about that when we talked about the episode originally, but it felt like such a TV framing device rather than this is a way we're going to dig into Tony Soprano's psychology device, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's I, you, you did message me beforehand when you're watching this and uh, I, I remember kind of going back and rewatching like the first or f first few episodes, like either getting ready for the last season or getting ready for the last episode when it was about to air. And it's so jarring seeing early Tony. I mean, yes. cause never mind that. Like, I think the pilot was shot like a year or a year and a half or maybe even two years before they finally like, uh, aired it uh, because it's like, you know, obviously pilots and getting picked up and then going into production and all that. But just that Gandolfini is looks so physically different. He doesn't quite have this voice is different when he's like, kids are trying to fly. Look at the ducks they are trying to fly. And he doesn't quite have his what he's found to be the Tony Soprano character. It's it's like, well, all the characters are a lot of different. I don't want to I don't want to pick on Meadow, but like, you know, her nose is different. She has a different nose back when she was younger. Uh, I don't know if that's natural uh, growth or maybe some little snip snip. I assume it was uh, mm -hmm. going under the knife. But even with those differences, the bones of it. And I guess it's because of good writing and being able to mine your ideas and tie it into the beginning there's so many like through lines that come up as well that are like, oh yeah, this is like the foundation. This is stuff that we're going to be getting into for the next six or seven years or you know longer because of the breaks they had in between. Yeah, or two years in our case. Yes. Um, yeah, and something like I think you messaged me before as well when you were rewatching this, uh, like before season six or whatever, saying that Tony sounds so weird, and I didn't rewatch it, and then. 
while watching this now, I'm like, yeah, Tony is pretty weird in this, but only because you've grown to know him like as he is. Um, the other big thing that really sticks out to you is just like you said, that there's a lot going on in this episode and something we've talked about, I think in cut to black, but also in other shows that we've covered at shows, which, you know.com, we always like to talk about pilots um, and even on Blank Meets Blank, uh, our podcast where we make up television shows, which you should all check out, by the way, uh, we talk about the importance of a pilot and uh, what that has to do. And this pilot is just, you know, you can hardly believe it took them two years to pick it up because there's just so much in this pilot that looking back, you might have guessed that the stuff that happens in this episode happens across a span of three or four episodes because in regular Sopranos later on, it probably <laughs> would have taken them three or four episodes. They would spend a whole episode just about Tony and the CD player he brings to to his mother. Like that could be yeah. a whole episode, but there's like a billion things in this episode and it establishes everything so well and has some of everything in such a great blend. Yes, yeah. Uh, seeing Livia Soprano, um, I never, I didn't realize how much I missed her. She's so great. I mean, obviously, her her shadow is felt throughout the show, like even well after she's gone, and especially the way Tony, the person he becomes as we get further and further into the show. But going back to when he's first knocking on her door and it like I, the little things of how she makes him wait, like, cause he knocks and it's yeah. just silence. And then yes. finally he's like, who's there? And it's like, it's me, ma. Who, who is it? And you know, her little things about driving when they predict rain, answering the phone after dark. And yeah, it's, it's great stuff. And, and you know, I've talked a bit about before about how Tony becomes the worst person. And I think it's just so clear. And I was trying to figure this out. I mean, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a, a therapist, but, and I don't know if this is even probably not deliberate with the way the show is, but I feel like there's something to Tony having these attacks where he passes out and the way those level off and aren't really a thing in yeah. relation to how he becomes more of, I guess they're, classifying him as a sociopath and basically the last episode we watched the penultimate episode where Melfi is reading about sociopaths and how they use therapy um and i don't i don't know if it's you know medical that it's supposed to be something that becomes worse over time but i feel like just the fact that he would have panic attacks that would cause him to pass out showed that he had maybe more i guess maybe humanity is not the right word but he he maybe he could have been saved at some point uh and as those level off and then he becomes worse and more more yeah. livia and more of a sociopath that's you know it doesn't bother him as much i guess yeah i mean here he's the one getting the poor use and later he's the one delivering the poor use yeah <clears throat> is one way of looking at it uh i think yeah in the therapy scenes we have here like what a contrast because he's def i mean he's he doesn't want to be there. He does storm out, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, so, so that's part of it. Um, but it's just such a contrast to the last scene we watched in the penultimate episode with Melfi kicking him out of therapy because he's not. Well, yeah, we got into it last episode, but and then we have Tony here, like having a genuine sort of breakthrough. But it's really interesting what you're saying about the panic attacks leveling off because I think the panic attacks are part of a sort of dissonance in his mind between what he wants 
reality to be and what reality is and the conflict there, which I think is maybe especially illustrated with uh, Livia Soprano in this one, because when he comes with the CD player, like not only does he bring the CD player and is like trying to make her life better and make her happy so that she can love him properly and he can feel loved. He also like does this weird thing where he tries to dance with her and like in most other shows where you have a cranky mother or whatever that she might like go along with that for a bit or something but instead here she, she just totally rejects that and it seems like a small thing but it's such a pattern like she brings out food for him to eat because that's like a habitual sort of thing that she does but she's not gonna let him have the moment of like here's some nice music to dance to just have a, a like have it all turn really sour basically and uh yeah, like there's just this conflict between what he wants real life to be and what it is. And then towards the end of the show, I don't know if, he, if he's more resigned or if he just has become one of the more n sort of negative forces. The the part of him that enjoys bringing pain to people, whether it be physical or psychological, feels like it's taken over. So maybe Melfi was right in kicking him out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um and I mean, there's the obvious things, just kind of seeing everyone younger and realizing like how, like, uh, I, it's a common thing with TV shows, especially when you have kids on there because then it's like, holy shit. I mean, even look at like Stranger Things right now. And that's only what going into Stranger Things for. And it's like, yeah, these kids are like 80 years old now. Uh, yeah. But, you know, seeing little pudgy AJ, yes. uh, seeing little Meadow and how those tie in. Um, I mean, we already kind of mentioned Tony. Uh, just and little things too, like Silvio's not Silvio really in this. Like he kind of mm -hmm. shows up, and, and obviously I'm not doing a cinema sins like, oh look what they fucked up. It's just interesting to see that he's kind of like, hey, don't you know a guy named Artie Bucco? But when later on it's like, no, Artie, Artie's friends with Silvio. They've all went to high school together. They're all very close, yeah. and Silvio doesn't even really seem much like too connected to the crew. It's more he just so wanders like, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kinda like they hang out at his club. He's a guy who knows who they are and they hang out at his at his strip club and he's somewhat involved, but not really. Well, though I do love the fact that when, when Tony collapses at the barbecue, he's the one who comes up with the fire extinguisher and puts the fire out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was his number two in a sense, always looking out yeah. for the big guy. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, young Christopher and, uh, you know, they, hey, there they are driving. They're driving in a car together in this episode. Last episode, yep. they're in together. They're also driving in a car. It was planned from the start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always going to remember our description of like the Super Mario or Mario Kart behavior of trying to run <laughs> this guy down. Yes. Like that's an image that definitely stuck with me. Like I didn't remember the CD player, but I always remembered. Like I remembered it starting with him in therapy and the ducks and Christopher driving Tony and them beating up this guy. That's pretty much what I remember from the first episode. And those are images that stick with you for years. And it's a thing Chase brings up. I've, I've seen him. Well, he brings it up on the commentary of this episode. And it's brought up in the Soprano Sessions book. Is one of the music choices that he was always unhappy with is this Chase scene where it plays like the doo-wop song. Like the the coffee drops and then the doo wop song plays, and yeah. I guess it's always a thing that's nagged at him that he hates that choice. Uh, okay, I, does he say what he would like it to be? Um, well, in the book here, he mentions like because they say, yeah. Speaking of your interest in music, I remember only one time in talking to you over the years where you didn't seem happy with the musical cue you used. 
the doo-wop piece when Tony chases down Mahaffey and the pilot. And he says, well, it was Stevie Van Zandt's suggestion. I like Stevie, of lo- Stevie a lot. And of course, he's Stevie Van Zandt. At first, it appealed to me. But as I kept listening to it over and over, it started to grate on me. And I thought, this is just what I don't want to do. I don't want to do a lot of Italianate music at all. I want to leave it open. Stevie often didn't agree with my choices. My first thing I thought about was I wanted the music to be the kind of music Tony would have listened to in high school. And that music's not great. So I ventured out from that, but there's still quite a bit of it. So I don't know if he's mean because it is it is kind of like a very Goodfellas type choice. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if he kind of means like that, like it's a little too calling it's back to not yeah. as modern mafia stuff. Like because those famous mafia movies, Goodfellas, Godfather, stuff like that, obviously they take place, you know, whether Goodfellas, what, 70s and 80s or something or 60s and 70s. And then Godfather's like before that, I believe. Uh, some other some pe- other people brought up that like it's maybe because it comes off as too fun, and David yeah. Chase doesn't want Tony to be a fun guy, even though it is when he's happy. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting. It's I think um, it it makes sense that he would feel that way, just having watched the show and trying to understand where he's at as a creator. It makes sense, but I also think it works perfectly for. Even just setting it up as the Sopranos, he didn't really know what, like, obviously he hadn't made it yet. He didn't really know what was going to happen in all of the Sopranos. And he did, like the way Gandolfini didn't know who Tony was uh, completely and, and us as the audience even less so. It, it's, I get the criticism he would put against it uh, from himself of it being like, ah, oh, it's like classic uh, Goodfellas type move. But it just makes a lot of sense to start with that when you're going to go ahead and subvert it, right? Yeah, I agree. Because I've heard some people, well, like in the discussions, they they kind of refer to um, Sopranos, like the first season being Goodfellas Part 2. and mm. But it's like, clearly they love Goodfellas. I mean, they, they would, yeah. I forget how, how many people share the casting. We went over it when yeah. we discussed Goodfellas, like... Clearly, that's a big jumping off point and a big influence. But yeah, I think it does work as kind of like, oh, this is kind of like Goodfellas, right? And let's ease you in with that. And then let's kind of start to separate and make our own thing. And one thing I never thought of before, too, is I always just assumed that this came out after Analyze This. But I guess Analyze This came out like three months after the premiere of The Sopranos. So it was kind of very much like around the same time. And that's De Niro being a mobster going to a therapist and, but it's like a little bit more slapsticky and humorous. So trying to gauge like people's attitudes on like, Oh, is this just that movie trailer I've seen in the theaters is it's on HBO. Is this a new comedy? And especially HBO kind of not being what it is now of, you know, prestige TV. I think they had Oz beforehand, which, had a, a lot of critical acclaim. It didn't never blew up as much as like the Sopranos or some of the later HBO shows, but they were still even just getting their footing as far as being a destination for like television shows. Yeah. I mean, and it, we talked a lot in season one about the comedic elements and with that in mind, uh, you know, I, you can understand that even more that there might be some like, Oh, it's a therapist therapist. Uh, no, sorry. A gangster walks into a therapist's office. You know, it's a setup yes. for a joke. Um, but like, there's other other bits like that as well that I'm like, wait, uh, 
like it feels a bit more enhanced than later episodes in certain ways like when uh meadows climbing back into a room and carmilla just immediately goes to a pillar and takes out a huge gun yes that feels like not a thing that carmilla in a later season would necessarily react that way but that we're having that in here to show that this isn't your normal family type thing if that makes sense so. yeah yeah it's 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 fairly broad like it's a broad joke because it's like the it's almost like silhouette she comes out with this big assault rifle uh but yeah it's it is kind of laying the seeds of the different type of family we're dealing with here um i mean but they still have a classic line i think it's when he's in therapy uh, it's, it's one of those, one of those, like, uh, what is it? Malaprops where Tony says something wrong that I've been loving that they've been doing in the, this yes. recent season we're discussing where he calls himself, I think Hannibal lecture. He's like, Oh, you think I'm Hannibal lecture over here. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, there, another thing I wanted to mention as well, um, like about how looking back, you think this takes place over a longer period of time. Like the whole thing of getting Livia into the retirement community. And I mean, obviously that's not totally settled in this episode, but they go and visit it and Tony collapses in it in the first 30 minutes of the show. I'm just like, I just remember that as a thing that spans ages and ages. And then like it, it goes immediately into it. Yeah. Um, so that's and, pretty cool. And of course, you know, the running things with, you know, he told my girl cousins that I'd never be a varsity athlete, <laughs> yes. which it's so great to hear it in the first episode or, you know, Gary Koopa, the strong silent type. Uh, not that I believe they had these on a board like and then in season five, we'll bring up the Gary Cooper thing again. <laughs> Obviously, it's just smart writing and kind of establishing your themes and things you want to explore in the beginning and then mining them properly. But it, it really helps, helps it feel like such a cohesive, uh, brilliant show. Yeah. And we get into things like after, uh, Carmilla catches Meadow, she's not allowed to go skiing or whatever. So she's upset. So she's doing what we now would consider to be the AJ thing sitting by her computer, <laughs> like looking at a really, really fake website. Like they really stepped up their fake website game by, by the end of the series. But this, uh, it looks super fake, but she's there based, I think in the same chair that AJ's in at some point later, like, uh, and uh, doing our old condescending, I don't want to go eat cake with you thing, wearing our white gloves sort of stuff. Uh, so that's going on in this episode, too. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, we could see how the, like, I guess being being a parent, especially if you have multiple kids, it's just going through them hating you in phases. <laughs> like, all right, now I'm friendly with the older one. Now I got to have the other one hate me for a little bit longer. And yeah, going how back. Weird to, oh, go ahead. Oh, as so totally different, but how weird is it to see Hash sort of threatening people for money, right? Like, oh, cause yeah. Because he's just one of the guys now in this, but he's not really later. Yeah, yeah, because that's the guy that they run down, right? And then they're on the bridge. Uh, yes. They're doing their HMO scam. And going back to kind of the broad jokes, although I guess it's still a joke they would maybe do now when uh, Pussy and Chris have the body and it's clearly not going to go in the dumpster. And they're like, yes. the one, two, three, and they just toss it into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't even think I picked up on that because I didn't think they were ever, like, I thought they were just going to leave it there. So I, I, But now that you mention it, that sounds hilarious, and I should rewatch it a third time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's so fun to go back and see... Like, there are things, like we're talking about, there's little things there that it's like, oh, okay, they didn't 
quite have this in mind yet because what Satriales is even called something different. It's like Centanis or something like that. Oh, really? But the 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 main the main stuff was there from the beginning. Uh, and even yeah. though season one probably as a whole is very different from where we are now, uh, it's it's like it, the, the the bones were there, the foundation was there, and uh, they they killed it. Of course, you get to see Adriana um, as the hostess, although it's not Vesuvio's. So and it's not Adriana; she was just brought back because yeah. like David Chase liked her or something, right? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. She was just hostess. And they're like, oh, we could use her uh, in the other episodes. Uh, and then uh, history was made. Yeah, and we've mentioned how, like, we've gathered sort of tidbits throughout by attending uh, Wikipedia, as I'm sure we all have. I'm really glad I uh, was careful with that, because, like, on the Wikipedia page for this, it says, like, Little Pussy Malanga, the man Uncle Junior wants to kill in Artie's restaurant, is the same person for whom Junior mistakes uh, Tony when he shoots him in the season six episode Members Only. Uh, <laughs> That's Jesus. right there on the Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thankfully. God damn. Yeah, because there's a whole thing on this one where, yeah, connections to future episodes. Yeah. And it's just bringing up all these later episodes and how, how uh, the callbacks to it. Yeah, like in season two episode Funhouse, Pussy's dead body gets thrown in the ocean after Tony, <laughs> Sylvia, and Polly execute him for being an FBI informant, mirroring the quote about Luca Brasi sleeping with the fishes. Like, yeah, this is a good. This is exactly the sort of thing that was mentioned in uh, Brian's email. At, that I'm glad I did not read all of this shit. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it just because like, been... you can even glimpse it and go, I killed Pussy, and then you're like, oh. yeah, you just yeah, immediately have major things spoiled. Uh, I mean, which I guess I understand why it's there because, you know, it is an old show. They just figure like, hey, these are fun connections. Yeah. Jesus. Um, And um, it's it says so much. It's such a great scene in the episode. And another thing that I didn't think was in the pilot, like going back to what you're talking about, that some of these things, it seems like it would have been later on. Is it the church? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I totally thought that was like a few episodes later. I mean, I knew it was in the first season and they kind of call back on it with like AJ and Tony, I believe. But I don't I totally didn't remember that it was in the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And it brings up this whole running throughout thing of like, we're goddamn Italians. We're goddamn immigrants. We built this. We didn't design it, but we built it. And coming in at the end of something and all this good stuff that just runs throughout the whole show. And it's all right here in the first episode. It's not the yeah. first season. It's the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to feel like when there's that moment where it kind of sinks in with Meadow, that's like the seeds of how Meadow is a contrarian to her family. But then when it comes yeah. up among, amongst outsiders, she kind of toes the family line and goes with the family story. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's we're seeing the beginning of that right there. And I guess for Silvio being somewhat of an outsider, he is the one that the, sets the bomb in Artie's uh, restaurant. So, Yeah, I mean, I was going to say as well, because one of these connections to future episodes on Wikipedia is um, when Tony's suspecting Ralph of having torched Piomai's stable. If I'd read that, man, that's the biggest spoiler ever, <laughs> that Piomai's going to die. Yeah. I would have been fucking uh, so... Uh, like, I joke, but genuinely, when the horse was coming up, you were like, oh, about the ho- that horse, hey? And I was like, 
what? Yeah, I guess there's a horse. <laughs> yeah, because I remember the name. I remember it, it was such a background thing, and I was like, oh yeah, we see Pio Mai. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Like even then, I was worried. I was like, oh fuck, I'm not. I don't want to give too much away that Pio Mai yes. is important. Uh, it says that Tony asks Ralph if he's heard from Corky uh, Iannucci lately, an expert arsonist who was responsible for setting Artie Boca's restaurant on fire. But yeah, I just remember seeing Silvio there as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously we don't need to go through all the beats. We're just kind of talking about the pilot in general in relation to coming up on the end. Uh, oh, and- I do want to mention, though, another thing totally in line with everything we're talking about. Christopher, in this episode, talking about selling his story to Hollywood. Like, yes. that is so early for that. Like, that's his whole character. And that's what he did. Like, that was he just continued on that path of, like, being torn between these two worlds, neither of which he's very good at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And plus, like such a uh, and maybe maybe it's because it's it's happened a few like so many times throughout like. I, you know, I, I remember that other episode where it kind of ends with Chris sitting out front of Tony's and he has to decide on like what he wants to do if he wants to be a part of this life or just be gone. So yeah. it does blend in a little bit. So again, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was this early, but yeah, all the groundwork is there. Yeah. And of course, Junior for sort of setting up the big season arc of him saying something maybe has to be done about Tony. Big thing as well. And, I mean, we always talk about the Ducks. The Ducks are fucking in the first episode, but, it, I mean, if there's one, like, the most memorable thing from the pilot, I would say, is, is is the Ducks because it just comes up so much. And it's, like, it's kind of the payoff towards the end of the episode because Tony's there describing a dream that's something silly and stupid, and they turn that into like an actual like going into the psychology of him which is a lot more exciting than just using those scenes to frame uh the rest of the show with him doing voiceover um but it is so memorable and the ending shot as well uh is extremely memorable of how everyone walks in and it just the camera just moves over to sit on the pool and it feels like something that's just come back again and again as well even though they don't talk about it the show kind of makes you think of it regularly even to the penultimate episode there when they're draining the pool after aj's tried to kill himself in it yes yeah yeah just the way it's there enough and like they don't have to directly address it just kind of some of the shots and even how i mean we've mentioned it a few times when you saw aj look at the pool you're like oh cool yeah the pool again you know that's always been around (laughs) but it was the setup for the you know big suicide attempt um so yeah it's always because there are a lot i'm not saying that every great show needs to have a great pilot because there are a lot of there are a lot of shows that have kind of a whatever pilot to even a whatever first season, because mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you've heard it in relation to other shows where people are like, okay, yeah, you know, I mean, the famous one that keeps popping in my head is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even though season one's yeah. not that bad, but it's more like you got to get past some of the like the effects are always cheesy, but they're even more cheesier because they had less money in the first season and they're still finding their footing, mm-hmm. but. With something like The Sopranos, even though that is true, like it's it's not like season one, in my opinion, isn't as strong in comparison to other seasons. But it is. It's interesting to go back and see that it it is like almost just as good, and it's kind of all there. And yeah. they, it just means that they're already making a, a great show. But then as they start to find their footing, 
they're making like an excellent show as it goes on. They just keep building off of it and getting better and more confident. I think we talked a bit about, I forget which season. Um, I mean, I guess almost every season premiere seems to exude more confidence each time where yeah. they're kind of going into more things and like it's almost like a swagger to it. And I think to cut in there, like the fact that they made a really great show in season one, um, they could have continued and sort of made another great season, another great season and sort of kept doing more traditional stuff. And that's kind of when they started going, nah, let's, you know, we want to expand this. We want to do something that is actually different and not focus on the things you think we would focus on. Um, And I think that confidence you mentioned that certain like the season premieres have in this show, I feel like a lot of shows these days, they don't do the thing where they make the great first season. They just come in with that 100% confidence and they do, they put like, they act like they're making a fantastic show and then they manage to fool some people and you're kind of going like, it's it's good, right? They had like good stuff, but it's actually, they just get by on that swagger. And The Sopranos did it right where they're sort of building the confidence as they go. I can think of several shows like uh, Westworld and Mr. Robot, for example, that start out with all of this swagger, but are they able to deliver and are they able to build on it or is it all just empty air? In The Sopranos, it was never empty air. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that kind of sums it up perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, if you have thoughts on The Sopranos, <laughs> you probably know by now, but you can send them to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com and we will see how we do things. I'm, I'm sure we'll do a pretty long episode on the finale. Maybe we'll hold off on feedback and thoughts uh, and do another episode with just that, a shorter one. Um, so if you want to send in your thoughts for us to discuss, please send them to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Beyond that, you can always find our other coverage uh, of other television shows like Mr. Robot and Westworld <laughs> at, at showswhatyouknow.com. And we also talk about shows we like. Um, jokes aside, those are those are fine sometimes. Um, but yeah, so beyond that, what else can we recommend, Jim? Um, well, I mean, of course, you can find more of me at jimandthem.com. You can find more of Jacob at awesomepedia.org. We've mentioned we have other shows like Blank Meets Blank, and we have shows like Real History. Those are at showswhatyouknow.com. So, I mean, we're steaming out content. Steaming? I don't know. We're pushing out Uh, content. No, no, I stick with it. We're (laughs) steaming out content. It's coming out our very ears. We're so warm from all the Sopranos energy. And Cut to Black is coming to an end. I mean, let's face it. We're going to keep doing some episodes, but... uh, Guess what? Me and Jim have been doing podcasts for a lot longer before this, and we will keep doing it as well. Uh, check out all of those email ad- email addresses. Jesus, I've been doing podcasts for years. I had to know the difference between an email address and a website. Uh, check out jimandthem.com and awesomepedia.org as well. And please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, etc. You know it all by now if you've listened through. Jesus yes. Christ, you know it all. Um, I just have one last thing, though, that you Ooh. probably haven't heard before. Wait, wait, what's that? Cut to black.